Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take your chairs. Thank you, worship team. Didn't the worship team get down? Yeah. Man, I like that song. That the first fast one. Dun, 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 dun. It's a good song right there. Dun, dun, dun. Right? Um, and I mentioned before I get in the message, I mentioned the, the homiletics. I'm sitting here. I said, okay, you know what? Our next class is not the following week, but in the 14th. And we're gonna, we, we decided to break it up into three sections because it is a long class. And if I can get five more people to come, I will do the session one again. And those who did session one last week with me, or yesterday with me, will just come in after we do session one with the first group. And then we'll finish we'll do session two together. So I know there's a few of you, but I, I, that, that's the limit. If I can get five more, then I'll, I'll do session one all over. And then, But that, that group will have to stay five hours because it'll be two and a half for session on one and then two and a half for the next session. Yeah. So you have to pay a little price if you want to do that on that. And that'll be on the 14th, I believe, of May. So Saturday, is that right? If you, 14th of May? So there it is. So if you want to get involved and you want to take homiletics, and really, like I've said, if you're going to take, if you're going to get involved and teach the Word of God in this church, you have to. You know, that's just a requirement because I want, I want to be able to, to share my heart with you uh, and get to know you uh, better uh, before I um, allow you to um, to teach. Amen. And so it's very, very important to me. So if you want to do that, you can see um, Joella. Raise your hand, Joella. And let her know after the service. And, and well, we have a couple weeks to decide. Amen. And I believe that's all I have. We're into the final session. Let's get right into it. Of our um, five-part series on the five E's. Amen. Revision, equip, evangelize. Exaltation, establish. And those are the values of Victor Arch International. It's not just my values. Um, these were um, um, created by the eldership. They actually got together for several days and did a lot of work. They, 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 have they created rather our, our vision statement, our mission statement, mission statement, our the, the five E's, our values. And we also have another one called three C's, amen. So we covered exaltation and, and basically um, exalting the name of Jesus. And we said, and the Bible says that if we lift up the name of Jesus, all men will be drawn unto him. And, that, and it's so true because you're here, you're here, you're not here, let me say it like this, you're not here because we, uh, we lifted up the name of Joel Cervantes. If we would lifted up that name, you guys would have emptied out a long time ago. You're here because we lifted up the name of Jesus, right? We lift up Jesus and people are drawn, that's simple. And, and we have our vision in that. Right? So we all, in our personal way, must exalt the name of Jesus by our life. We believe in evangelism, reaching the lost, no matter the cost. That was our theme, the band, the victory band, we did that. We, we put that out, we used to say that reaching the lost, no matter the cost. And, and that is so true, because reaching people cost. First of all, people aren't cheap. So to reach them, there's a, there, there's a price to pay to reach people. It just doesn't come easy. But it's well worth it. Right? Because Jesus and Mark told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And so we believe in evangelism all the time. We're always doing street rallies. The summertime's coming. The, the, the life groups are preparing for their rallies. We're going to do a concert in June. We're going to do a concert in July. We're going to do a concert in August. We're going to do a concert in September. We baptize in the, at Memorial Park in September. 
the men's home. We're, we're going to bring them back, and we're going to we're going to make about twenty thousand flyers, and we're going to work the men's home like Hebrew slaves. Yeah. I mean, we're going to pass out these flyers, go to the go to the courts. I got Corey over in the courts, you know, uh, representing men and women to get them into our homes because one day we're going to have some woman's going to rise up, some couple, I don't know, who are hardcore, hope to die, Jesus freak, going to say, I'll run the home. How much you pay? We don't pay anything. That's my salary. I'll do it because Jesus is going to take care of my needs. We believe in, believe in evangelizing. Amen? So the key to our obedience is the fact that we evangelize. Thirdly, we, we envision we are confident, I'm confident, our leadership is confident that you have a destiny. Amen? You have a destiny to fulfill. You have plans to prosper you, plans that will give you hope in the future. Destiny. In fact, my destiny is Pastor Steve's legacy. That's my pastor. And, and it, it goes on. My destiny not only is Pastor Steve's legacy, but Pastor Steve's destiny was Pastor Sonny's legacy. And it keeps rolling, and it keeps rolling. Why? Because we have a purpose to reach, and you hear it, every inner city of the world. Our scriptures are found in Isaiah 45, 2 and 3, and Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. I will go before you, will level the mountains, I will break down the gates of bronze, cut through bars of iron, I will give you treasures, of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel who summons you by name. Our promise. And beyond that, we reach out to people, Code Red. We do all these events to get them in. Uh, but, but it doesn't stop there. We, the, the scripture, our promise is to enlarge our tent. In, in Isaiah 54, that tent is Victor Arch International, but when you talk about stretching your tent curtains wide, it speaks of leadership. Tent, because leaders hold the tent in place, like a tent cord on a tent. Without strong, tight cords on your tent, it's going to fall. So the Lord tells us to, to spread out to the, to the right and to the left, strengthen our stakes, because our descendants, my children, your children will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. And you got to understand, we used to preach this. I've been preaching this for 30 years now. And my descendants haven't done nothing till lately. Now they're starting to rise up and take their position because they were little babies. They are mocosos. Right? And now they got beards and they're still mocosos. No, I'm just kidding. But they're going to dispossess nations. They got a call. They got a purpose. They got a, there's a plan for their lives. Amen. Whether they like it or not. Uh, they were born in this, my family. Uh, you know, they're born in, they're, they're in my family. That's tough. You don't like it. It's tough. You can't change your family. Amen. That's our call. We're, we're, our, our family is called to do God's work. Amen. We covered equipping. Ministry is God acting through, pe through his people for the life of the world. Through people, the church is present in every area of human activity. And because of that, we, you have to be equipped. It is not enough. Now, I've said it before. We love it that you come to church. We do. We really appreciate it because you could be anywhere you want. We understand that. But you choose to be here. But it's not. that's not enough for your well-being. You have to equip yourself to do works of ministry. Amen? 
That's what it's called. So we believe in equipping you, training you. That's why we have homiletics class. That's why we have other class, spiritual gift class. We have training all the time, discipleship. Amen. We're going to have a discipleship. Pastor Barry is going to be here uh, the last weekend of May, and we're going to do discipleship. Why? Because we believe in equipping. Because you need to be equipped. And we do it. We do it. We know. And one day... When we do equipping events on Saturday, all of you are going to be there. Because, you know, the, the, the enemy has tricked the, the church into believing that this is enough. And this is not enough. You, there has to be more. you got to grow. Remember I, I, the analogy I used? Send your kid to school one day a week. No, be nice. Be rugged. Go two days a week to school. And how well will your children do in school? Would you think they pass or would they fail? They probably fail. So how many Christians only come two days a week? And you said they would what? You said it, not me. If you don't take it seriously, equip yourself, the devil's going to punk you. Let me move on. So we have tremendous values. And these values are for, not, for the benefit of our ministry, but really, they're more personal. They're for your benefit. Right? Because we understand that you have to grow. Because ultimately, we only go as far as you can take us. That's it. And so you, we need strong people. Say strong people. Strong. Look to your neighbor say, are you strong? Because uh, we need strong people that are established. Huh? That understand what it takes. See, everything has to remain centered on Christ. And you'll notice everything we do is centered on Christ. And if, because if it's not centered on Christ, if you don't have Christ at the center, then you're going to miss it. It reminds me of a father wanted to, to read the paper. I've, I've had this lately. Want to read, but the baby, little, she had a little baby girl. And she kept bugging him. Daddy, 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 talk to me. You know, because girls want attention. You ever notice that, guys? Girls want attention. And, and, and they don't change when they get older. They're just called women. And they want attention. Right? They, they, they want attention. Husbands, let me tell you something. Just just give up. Say, Uncle, no. My name's Albert. You can say, Uncle Albert. Just give them attention. All right? They want attention. They deserve attention. Give them attention. And then you can watch TV. But when you put TV first, and then, come on, you better marry the teacher. Start, start kissing the tube. Amen. Let's move on. Let me get back here. This little girl wanted attention. And the father was getting frustrated, like, leave me alone. I want to read the paper. Finally, he tore a sheet out of his magazine. And, and on it was a map of the world. He sees the map. And he rips it up into pieces. And he gives the little girl, and he goes, here, put the map together again. Right? He's trying to get away. Well, she goes, she's all happy. She comes back like in a minute, fast, boom. She came back, and he's all happy. When she returned, he handed him the map in perfect order. The father was like, how'd you do that so fast? The little girl said, oh, that was easy. Because on the back side of your magazine was a picture of Jesus. And when I put Jesus together, everything worked out just fine. See, that's how we have to be. Everything we do, it has to be focused on the Lord. Because when you put Jesus where he belongs, everything else works out. Amen? So we're called to establish, and that's, that's what we're trying to say. We talked about our values. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says this. 
As God's messenger, I give each of you God's warning. Check this out. Be honest in your estimate of yourself, measuring your value, say my value, by how much faith God has given you. That is an interesting thing. So we want everything centered on Christ. Okay. And people say, I believe in Jesus, I believe in this, and we all say we have faith, right? Unfortunately, not because uh, that's the way God intended it, but unfortunately, it seems like some people have little bitty faith, and other people have faith, right? And here he says, your value is based on your faith. So it's clear that there are levels of value. You know, people say, God loves us all the same. He may love us all the same, but he values us differently. Pretty interesting, huh? Let me read that again. Be honest in your estimate of yourself, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. So we've talked about values. Values. So your value is measured in faith. So I can say it this way. Faith is God's currency. You know what currency is, right? Everybody's got a little, got a dead president in your pocket, right? Everybody, even if you got change, you pick up that change, there's a dead president on here somewhere. Yep, Georgie boy. Currency. But see, God's currency is faith. Now, if you look at currency, originally money was a form of receipt because they didn't have money in, in ancient times. And what they would do in most villages, they would be agricultural villages and they would grow corn and grain and whatever. And they would always have a center point for where your grain was stored. So you'd put all your grain, the storehouse, they called it. You've heard that? Bring, bring your, your offering to the storehouse. Well, that's where they, they get the concept. Everybody's grain, and they'd go to this big grain vat, and everybody would put their grain in there. And it kind of it kind of looked like, wait a minute. If I put my grain in there, how do I know that Leo ain't going to eat my grain? Because look at Leo. He eats more grain than I'll ever eat. Right? And so they were like, wait, wait a minute. But so what they would do is they would measure, weigh your grain, and then they would give you a receipt. Well, that receipt now had value. And so they began, that's how currency began. Before they had no currency, it started out as a receipt. Then they got smarter and began to make it look pretty, and then they called it money. But it was all based off whatever was valued. As time goes on, then money used to be based on gold, right? It was called a gold standard, and they left the gold standard during the 70s, and they, because money used to be based on how much gold we had in Fort Knox or wherever we decided to have him. Now, money is not based on gold or corn or anything. Money is based on nothing. So, most people value money, right? So in essence, what are they valuing? Nothing. So they put their value in nothing. Oh, here I go. So, Ephesians 3.2, let's continue on talking about faith because we need to establish you, right? And you got to be established. You can't be established any other way but by your faith. Ephesians 3, verse 2, reads like this. Assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, 
Stewardship is a very important word. Say stewardship. stewardship. Verse 3. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. That word stewardship is a great Greek word. That word stewardship is the word called oikonomia. That's where we get the word economy. So he's saying, I have the economy of God's grace. What is he talking about? He's talking about what I'm trying to tell you here. He's trying to establish the Ephesian church. He was trying to establish all the churches, Thessalonians, right, the Roman church. He needed to establish them, but he had to establish them on faith. But the faith was not just a faith of believe, oh, I know who Jesus is. No, no, no. There was an economy because Paul understood that God places on every individual a measure of faith, and your value is based on that type of faith. Now you're in God's economy. In, in, the, in the new uh, the NIV, it said stewardship. Stewardship is like a, an administrator. You know what an administrator is? Or a household. Okay, here's a good example. Are there any mothers who take care of the household? You know, you pay the bills, you handle all that, you, you buy the food, you take care of everything. You know, because men, men sometimes, they, they, they think they've done a job, I bring home the bacon. Some people bring only like one strip of bacon. That ain't enough bacon, bro, we gotta go back to work. <laughs> bacon, that's not even a chicharron, that's nothing, right? Because that's like bacon. Right? Well, but anyway, the women are at home and they're taking care of the household, right? They are stewards of the household. They, they represent the economy of your home. Correct? So, now in the English Standard Version, it says like this in verse 9 of chapter 3, Ephesians, and I, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. In the New King James, it says, and to make all see, check this out, what is the fellowship of the mystery? So we're going to fellowship. So how do we fellowship with God? Fellowship, we started off earlier. How? Based on your faith. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the Lord scoured the earth looking for faith. In fact, when Jesus ran across a lady who kept bugging him and bugging him and bugging him, she goes, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. And before that, he said, stop bothering me, woman. I don't have no dealings with you. You're nothing but a Samaritan. And then the, the ladies wouldn't give up on Jesus. And even the dogs deserve crumbs from the master's table. I have, Jesus, he stopped. He goes, wait a minute, Jack. I, I feel faith. All of a sudden, this Samaritan, who was considered a dog to the Jewish people, stopped Jesus in his track. Why? Because he valued her faith. He got, she got a hold of his economy. Mm. Right? In the NIV, it says the administration. Now, in, in economics, let's go back to economics. Currency rever refers to the medium of exchange. These are usually coins and banknotes of a particular government. Say government. See, currency is the physical aspect of a nation's money supply and every nation has a money supply the largest na nation no matter what they say or we're, we're 17 trillion in debt think about that the united states is 17 trillion and in debt some of you can't even write 17 trillion that's a lot of money right now 
exactly two months. Well, let me say it like this. What nation do you belong to? What nation do you belong to? What, is that what? United States? Okay, that's one. But when I'm asking you a better, a better question than that, what nation do you belong to? The Raider Nation. Come on, girls. <laughs> Who said that one? That's my wife. She's my, she got my back. Raider Nation. No. She said Raider Nation. <laughs> no. Well, yes, but no. <laughs> exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, they arrived in the wilderness of the Sinai. Okay? They came to the wilderness of Sinai and set up camp. They were, they were at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses climbed to the mountain to appear before God. Right? You remember, the, you remember the story. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, God told Moses that I will make you a kingdom of priests, my holy nation. God was speaking about his nation, and, and through this, he would establish it through his currency. Remember, every nation has to have a form of currency. In the United States, you have the dollar bill. You take a dollar bill and you go to the Philippines, right now you get about 45 Mexican pesos, I mean Filipino pesos, it's different than Mexican pesos, Filipino pesos per dollar. You go to South Africa, you get the rand. When I was there, you, had, you got about eight rand per dollar. So every nation has its currency. When you come into the church house, you have to come in with a certain type of currency. Faith. See, most Christians think they just come to church and, well, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm saved. No, 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 no. See, you, if you think that, then you have little value of yourself. And unfortunately, God cannot put place a value in you. There I go. Why? Because we need a people that are strong in faith so we can be established. The more faith, the more mountains we can move. See, faith is God's money. Or no, no, let's say it like this. Faith is God's receipt. Mm, I like that. In other words, he touches you, and you say, God touched you. And I go, how do we know God touched you? Why? Because I have God's receipt. What is his receipt? I have faith. You have faith. Now, if you have faith, then what have you done with that faith? Well, hmm, what have I done with my faith? That is the question. See, most people claim to have faith, but don't even put that faith in God's bank account. Our receipt of his faith is Exodus 19.6. We just read that. We are a holy nation. The apostle Peter cashed in on his receipt when he gave, he, he spoke to this God's people and he said this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says this, but you are a chosen race. Now he's, he's talking about everybody. Remember when he's talking to them, there was people from every kingdom, from every race, from every creed. And he's looking at all, there's all these different people and he looked right beyond their skin color. He looked right beyond their nationality. He looked right beyond anything about them. And he says, you guys are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may be claiming. Here it is, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. This is why you are this. Remember, this is why you're the nation. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into 
his marvelous light. The establishing cannot happen unless we are secure in God's currency. What am I saying? We need people of faith. Faith. Because things, people will get hit. You know, I know some people, when they go through a trial, they think it's time to stay home from church. Oh, I'm going through it. What kind of faith you got? Who do you believe in? Ronald McDonald? Huh? No, it's time to dig in. When, when it gets harder, it's, get, it's time to dig in deeper. The devil hits back. It's kind of trying to get pray more. You don't, you, don't, you don't shy away. Because if you shy away under attack, then you will always be attacked. But when the devil understands, every time I attack this sister, she, she prays extra. I better stop. All of a sudden, the devil gets scared of you. Stop hitting her. Leave her alone, man. Every time you hit her, she prays. Are you dumb? Yeah, you are. You're a demon, you dumb demon. Leave her alone. See, it's real practical. But no, we get hit. Um, we stay home, and the devil says, it works. Keep hitting them. How do you hit them? Hit their kids. Why? Because every time I hit the kids, it works. They don't go to church. They stop giving. They stop, go, they stop praying. Hit their kids. And then you make your family more of a target based on your, your lack or your ability to have faith. Don't blame the devil. The devil only do, does what you allow him to do. Because he has no authority over you. If you take authority, he has to run. But if you allow his actions to dictate your life, you become his boy. Wow, that's heavy, huh? And the only way to fight, fight that off is you have to have God's currency. Faith. Faith. So establishing pro proves spiritual maturity, and that's what we start off, the mature. So what I'm talking about right now is we're not eating mush. We're not getting, you're not having no, you know, maple right now. No avena in the, in, in the, in the, the bowl. We're not eating oatmeal. Right now, you're getting steak, ribeye, medium, salt and pepper, that's it. Oh, rabba. I, I make one of speaking tongues. Huh? Establishing proves spiritual maturity. Fundamentally, establishing is making disciples, working with them, teaching them. Why? Why do you do that? Because you have faith to do that. See, people who can't work with other people are probably insecure for their lack. Well, what can I teach them? What can I do? I don't know. But that's between you and the Lord. That's when everybody says, well, I have a personal relationship with God. Well, then what kind of God are you serving? Aren't you doing anything? Aren't you learning? Aren't you growing? Because the God I serve is a God who, who grows, who expands, who gives more. If you have, he gives you more. If you don't have, he takes what you have and he gives it to somebody else. Why? Because he wants growth. He wants expansion. So if you're going to expand, that it stands the reason that if you have faith and God has done something in life, then there should be some expansion of you through others because you have faith. And now, as we're growing, we're establishing, because you have faith, we begin to grow, grow, grow. You grow, and people grow. Hmm? So do we take God's word and just read it and say, well, I'm too busy right now? Or do we move in faith with it? What do we do with God, everything that God is telling you? Do we look at the word of God and apply it to our heart and life? Because really what I'm talking about, this faith is an issue of the heart. Where's your heart? The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
What do you treasure? John 17, 7, or rather 7, 17 reads, If any man will do my will, listen again, if any man will do my will, then he will know whether my teaching is of God or not. So here's the qualification. If you want to know if anything's of God, then you need to do something for him. See, those people who do nothing for God are usually are the most critical, and those most critical couldn't know what God was up to in the first place. That's why they're critical. Oh, they, they change their vision every other week. They change, they, 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 you know, this week the, the fad is this, the next week the fad is this, and the next week this is the fad. I've seen these movements come and go, come and go. We had the barking dog movement, remember that one? We, we, we had um, the laughing movement. We had Larry Lee and the fire movement, and, and, and he backslid. We had all these different movements. Come and go, come and go. And guess what Victor Average has done? Stay true to what we call to do. We have a vision. God calls us, and this is it. See, God doesn't change his mind like us. He gives you a call. He gives you a vision. And this is it. Boom, he locks you in. Some people will change their vision every other week. Why? Because they do not understand God's will. They don't have an issue of faith to carry him to do his will. And because they don't have that issue of faith to carry him to do his will, they couldn't see his will. Faith. See, if any person will do my will, then he will know. Doing comes before understanding. Isn't that amazing? Let's say that again. Doing comes before understanding. And that's the, the problem with the American culture. The American culture is, no, I need to understand before I do. Guess what? You will never have the right currency. Let me just read about it. Yeah, no. You're going to learn about it and you're going to do. Why? Because that's what discipling is. You apply it. You challenge people. You make them apply it. And now after they apply it, guess what? Now they have to share it with other people. That's discipling. As we establish people, we must be committed to three things. First, if you're going to really establish a person in discipling, giving them faith, you have to be committed first to a person. You can't just do it flippantly. You have to really commit to them. Because people don't want phonies and frauds and fakes, right? We have, there's enough of that in the world. You want, you want to meet a phony or fraud? Go to the bar. But people will come to church because they want the real deal. So that means they want you to commit to them. And when listen, and when you when you prove to them that you're committed to them, then they'll commit to you. Right? Because when you commit to them and you value the person, you're you're saying just that. This person is valuable. And everybody wants to feel a sense of value. What can this person accomplish? Because you begin to see this person can do things. And it takes a lot of faith to be a Victor Arch pastor. Let me say that again as I walk towards the men's home. It takes a lot of faith to be a big large pastor. You know why? Because these guys are going to take the world for Jesus. Now, don't look now because they're shy. But if you looked at them, you'd say, no way. And if I look at them in the natural eye, I'd say, oh no. 
But I'm not looking at them with a natural eye. Because I, I operate in a different currency. I operate in the currency of faith. So when I look at them, I go, man, yeah, he's a drunkard. Yeah, he's a doping. Yeah, he's a pervert. God will clean him up. God will change him. God will use him. And they'll reach the world. Why? Because I'm operating in a different currency. Faith. Faith. And it's that currency that establishes us. Nothing else. Hmm? Then we have to uh, uh, be committed to a process, the process of faith. Because the world is spiritually bankrupt. Look around you. I mean, come on, are you kidding? We're in this, uh, the, the political season. And look at the candidates we have. Now that takes a lot of faith, amen? <laughs> this is the world, it's corrupt. Now they're fighting about allowing cross-dressers and transvestites and homosexuals to use any bathroom. And then if you stand up and say, no, I ain't letting know that tutti fruity go in the bathroom with my baby. <gasps> you bigot. Now no, we're the biggest because we're trying to protect our kids. from Spiritually bankrupt. What kind of society are we living in? Huh? So there has to be a process to attack that. Right? You need to give people some currency. So we have a process because we have a spiritually bankrupt world. And unfortunately, most people in the church are influenced by that instead of being influenced by the faith they're influenced by the world why because the world has something that you like what is it Thank, who said it the rest of you didn't say it, but you thought it the world offers you money 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 dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 right? Some people got to have it. Hey, hey, some people really need it. Talk about do things, do things, do things. Come on now. And so that's how it gets you. Because people value money more than faith. And so here's the battle. And the only way to combat your love affair with George Washington, Ben Franklin, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, the only way to combat your love affair with them is to try to convince you to get rid of it. So you think by having offerings and all that stuff is a fundraiser. No, we're trying to help you out because we know you're addicted to money. You're so addicted. Woo, man, if they short you 50 bucks on your paycheck, you'll go knock them out. Don't be taking my drugs. I mean, my money. You love money. You know it. Your spirit says, how do, how, the Pastor, how? Pastor, no. Because I know. Because I was just like you. Uh, I had to change my currency. And the only way to, to, to rip your love affair for that currency is to learn to give it away. That's why people are always thinking of ways to com combat the Bible and, and reason out having to give. Why? Because if they can combat that, they don't. Have, they can keep their love affair intact. But if you keep your love affair intact, then you have no faith. Because what you're saying, if I give this away, God can't provide for me. And God say, no, give it away and watch me provide. What is that called? Faith. Oh, some of you are getting mad at me now. I know, I can feel it. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm hitting you home. 
So you need to give people some currency, exposure and real life context. Jesus understood this. These people, his disciples, what happened? Jesus would take them out in a the boat, right? He would let a storm hit. He would just take them out into the middle of things and show them things that he was capable of doing. He would take them and say, there's 5,000 people, now feed them. Think about that. But he didn't just tell them feed them. He goes, but before you feed them, let's get everything in order. There's 12 of you, get all 5,000. Remember, 5,000 men meant there were probably 5,000 women. And if they're like Mexicans, that's about 25,000 kids. You know what I'm saying? Right? So that's a lot of people. He said, okay, we want you to feed all of them. Now here's 12 disciples. What? Can't feed all of them. We don't got no. They even said, we don't have enough money for that. Jesus says, see, you're on the wrong currency. You're looking at the one that you love. They were just like, oh, they love that money. Jesus, we don't have enough money to feed them. Jesus didn't ask them for money. He was trying to teach them currency. Not money. He said, he didn't really address them. He goes, get all of them, line them up, separate them, get, get organized. He told them, organize the people. And once you organize, let me know. And then that's when he fed them. Broke. Broke the bread, got some fish, and boom, he fed them all. They were amazed at it. So Jesus wasn't amazed at it because he doesn't operate based on money. The disciples did. We, we don't have no money. Jesus, I don't need your money. I need your faith. See, and the problem is we don't need your money. We need your faith. But the, here's the issue. The money is your problem. So we can't get to the faith. And if we can't get you to believe in faith, then we have we cannot establish. How do you think Pastor Sonny has, has taken the world? Because people have bought into his currency, the faith. And we have seen that as we begin to be faithful to that vision, God provides even more and more and more. Because God doesn't care about money. He cares about faith. So when he finds people of faith, he wants to bless because he knows they don't care about those dead presidents. So there's the, the battle. And that's, the, that's how, and that's why ministries are never established. Because people love money more. So, how does Sam, back there, give some currency out? We're not talking about money. Well, I know Sam. He's broke. He takes them out into real life situations. Just like Jesus. You give your disciples value. You have to take them with you somewhere. And walk with them. Talk with them. Take them to the courts. Right? Take them to the streets. Take them to the conference. So you should never go somewhere alone. I never go anywhere alone. I always take somebody. Why? Because I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know that if, if God is moving and, and, and there's, a, there's something going on, my disciples are there to witness it. You see how I act. And I'm training. Training. Why? Because I want to give them what? Currency. Peter says, silver and gold have I not, but what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Take up your bed and walk. Faith. This guy was spiritually dead, couldn't walk, and he leaped up. Why? Because Peter had passed your test that you have to take. He didn't care about all these. He didn't care about silver and gold. He had faith. And God took care of him. He wasn't no poverty. He wasn't begging. He had everything he needed and some. Right? The process, that's the process we're talking about. So you need a, to be committed to the person, the process, and the purpose. So does your life have eternal purpose? Or are you just living until you die? Businessman, does your life matter? Or you just make money 
and you're happy with your gods. Faith. See, we need, listen, I believe we need strong businessmen. J.C. Penny. J.C. Penny. J.C. Penny tied 90% of all his income. Businessman, that's a good businessman. Amen? People of faith, God wants to bless, but we hold them back. Hmm? Establishing is a core component to church growth. Core, yeah, you know, you know what I mean by core? Yeah, the core is like the middle, then you have the periphery, the outside, right? The core and the periphery. The core represents God's perfect will. The periphery is outside of that will. You're in touch with God. I'm talking about the periphery, the outside. You're in touch with God, but you know you're not where you want to or you should be. You, you, you know about God. You, you, you have a little touch in God, and you, you know, God even blesses you every now and then, but you know that there's more to it. And perhaps you're just a little afraid to get too deep. Now you get too deep, there's a big argument. They might send me out. Yeah, we might. If God's got to call in your life, no, we might. We will. Shoot. Right? Because that's what we do. That's who we are. If you don't ever want to go out and start a church, and you think you're called, here's the, I'm going to give you a secret. If you think you're called, and you're ever going to want to go out and start a church, but you don't want to go out and start a church, then you're in the wrong church. Because if you think you're called, God will confirm my life, I will send you out. Hmm? Can't hide here. We want to do God's will. Amen? So most people like being on the periphery. They don't want nothing to do with the will of God and move into the core. They want to be on the outside. As a matter of fact, they're good people. Some of the best people, they even like helping the core. No, I'll help. I'll help the core. Because that's how, that's how I was. Remember, Debbie, when I came in? That's how I was. Because I was making money. Right? Young guy, 25 years old, had a nice car, making about 8000 a month. I was doing good. This is 30 years ago. And then I got saved. God messed me all up. So I, I you know, what do you mean? Eh? I like this God thing, you know, going to heaven, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. But I, you know, I have some business to take care of. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, I said, wait a minute, God. I'll tell you what. And I'm telling you, this is how I talked about it. I had a conversation. I'll tell you what. I will give this much off of every deal. You know, I sell a house. I sold a house, $30,000. If I get a $30,000, I won't, I won't tie it. I'll, I'll double up. You know, I got you like that. Why? Because I, I figured out real quick. I go, wait a minute. This guy wanted to send me out. And I, I had things to do. Not knowing that those things to do was really my love for those things. So I had a choice. I had to go through the process to leave the periphery of my will and get into the core of God's will. Because God didn't need my money. I, you know, I, I thought he was like a man. That he, we could make a deal. He didn't need, need my money. He needed my obedience. Why? Because through my obedience, he was able to give me a different kind of currency, a currency of faith. See, it was that currency of faith that brought me here with nothing that allowed me to introduce Jesus Christ to many of you. That deal that I would have made, perhaps in Hayward 30 years ago, would have said some of you would have went to hell. So what's more valuable, the deal that I was making in Hayward or the deal God was cutting with me through faith? You, you see the picture? So establishing takes core, take, rather takes place in the core. When you struggle, you got to go to the core. And establishing, I talked about earlier last week, it, it increases my grace level. 
Listen. This church will triple in size when somebody here, just one person, understands what I'm saying and says, okay, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to give it all to God. When you decide to really flip it, and how do we know you're going to flip it? We'll know. Everything will change in your life. Everything. Because when, when I decided my life, okay, I'm going to flip it. I came with my wife. We were in Fremont, California. We had a house there. Had about eight guys, nine guys living with us. And I, had, I, I got up in the morning because I have some crazy dreams sometimes. And I got up and I go, this is a trippy dream right here. You know, and I wasn't say that long, maybe four years, five years. I don't know. We were in New York City. No, we were in hey, uh, Fremont. Oh, it doesn't matter. A few years. And I get up and I go, man, Debbie, I'm in trouble. She was like, I had a dream last night. And, and the Holy Spirit said that I will be Steve Pineda's slave. Steve Pineda's my pastor. And come on, man. Didn't that sound weird? Okay, thank you. No, I'm not the only one. I'm gonna, I thought, what? Right? I, I go, and I got up, and I went to my, I go, Debbie, I, I got to be part of Steve's slave. And I don't know what she was thinking. She looked at me, she, but she never questioned when God had something. She was just, oh, I was blessed, believe me. She just went with the flow. When God was doing something, she just, just went with it. And so I go back, and I said, okay, God, I'll do it. Uh, that was about 1998, um, 88, when that happened. Why? It's not that he, that the Lord wanted me to be subject to a man. No, 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 no. See, and that's where, where people get all, all messed up. He, the Lord wanted to prove himself to me that he was a faithful God, that he would protect me, that he would lead me and guide me, and that I would fulfill my purpose in life. And listen, because of that step, I stand here today. Because my pastor went on to die, went on to be with the Lord. He died. And I'll never forget, it was the weirdest feeling. Getting talking about establishing, this is how establishing faith does it. This was the weirdest feeling. My pastor died. I was, at, I was in the funeral there at, um, that was on Thornton Avenue in, in, in the Newark, right? We're there, and I, I never forget, just like I had that same experience, the Lord said, you're going to serve him to, right? You're going to be his servant. I'm sitting there, he's, and he's in the grave. I mean, he's in the, in the casket. He's dead. And the Lord said, now, you're free. What? And I, didn't, I, I thought about it. I'm free? What do you mean? He, and it, it was like, okay, I got something else for you. I go, that, that's a trip right there. That's a trip. What? Why God was trying to build my faith. So I, you got to understand, my, my pastor was like me. We were all messed up. He had a lot of flaws. He had a lot of flaws. I love my pastor, but he had flaws. And I'm the only one who knew all of them because I was like his AP. I was his right-hand man. And I seen all his flaws. And so I had to get past his flaws and trust that God was in charge. That's the difficult part. Because most people, if you see my flaws, is reason enough for you to leave the church. And I'll let you in on something. I got flaws. So when you see them, just say, well, great. That means we're all the same. If you think I'm something, you know, if you can put me on a pedestal, don't do it. Believe me, because if I see it, I'll go over to your house and kick it down. Give me off that pedestal. Uh -uh. I got flaws. So my faith, my faith took me past my pastor's flaws. 
Most people don't, do not have enough faith to get past that. How in the world do you think God is going to trust you with anything if you can't get past that little tiny step of faith? As if that person could, could control you that much. Faith. Well, I'm talking currency right now. Hmm. So, the grace level. As you get past these issues of grace and faith, I'm going to say this before I go on. Jose. Hi, Jose. No, this is Jose and Larry. Of all, all of you, nobody in here other than my wife and my kids knows me better than these two guys. They know all my flaws, right? They got a big list about that long. <laughs> big old list. But despite my flaws, they're with me. And I try to do the best, but I mess up sometimes. But despite that, they got my back. See, they, they, they got currency that some of you can, will never grab a hold of because you're too into critical, criticizing people and expecting too much. And not really being practical and seeing how God uses ordinary people. Moses couldn't even talk. I, I, I can't talk. I, I can't talk. Right? King David, maniacal pervert, chasing women all over the place. Solomon, a thousand concubines. Hello, somebody. People, just mess the people. Peter, I don't want to, want to stab people. One of my homeboys. Right? Paul, a Christian persecutor, murderer. We can go on and on and on. If they were here, some of you wouldn't follow Jesus because these people are all messed up. Currency. What kind of currency do you have? See, if you can get past that, then we can stick. Why? Because then we ain't got to walk on eggshells. Oh, I better be holy, holy because, if, you know, the people are watching me. And if I, do, if I blow, it, blow it just a little bit, they're going to leave the church. Hey, that's not my, that's not my game. Believe me. I'm going to be me and that's it. And if you leave the church... Hurry up, pack your bag, split. I can't change myself. I'm just, God, it's not my fault God called me. I just had some faith. I had the right currency. Yeah, I know Nicky Cruz. Probably the only one who knows him as much as I do is, is, is um, Jose. But Nicky doesn't let anybody. Why? Because most people don't have the faith for him. They, they, they want to put Nicky Cruz up there with the Apostle Paul. And he may be up there, but I know Nicky Cruz. <laughs> He's a crack. I love being around Nicky because he's just an ordinary guy with, with extraordinary faith. I'll say this about him. There's probably no man right now alive who has reached more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ than Nicky Cruz. None. Faith. And that's my mentor. That's my friend. Why? Because if we're going to establish, you have to, you, you have to stay with me for the long haul. Not for a, a month, not for a year, I mean, until you die. Either you bury me or I bury you. Because if we can do that, then we can establish a ministry that can reach into the world. What would it be if when I send Jose and his family to, to Asia, that the faith here is not enough to manage it? And then we fall apart. And what, we leave him hanging there in Asia? There's only so many lumpias to go around. So we need people to stick. 
so that he's secure. And then from there to Thailand, to Vietnam. Why? Because if we stick here, then all those that we send are secure, are secure, are secure. But if people are so immature, then how far can we go? Not very far. So we have to be established. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is very important to my heart. Then we enlarge our grace level. And basically, let's boil it down. Our grace level is evidenced by the people's ability to give. I said last week, we can't open a woman's home until our giving goes to 1,000 a week. We can't. How can we do that? What are we going to do? Bring women in there and not feed them? They'll probably be happy to lose weight, but they won't, that's not what they want. They're all sucked up. Why, why are you sucked up? No drug? No, they just don't feed me at Victor Why not? They got no money. Huh? Very practical. And some people, think, some people think they can actually keep coming to church, go to church, to church, to church, to church, and never be responsible for their giving. That is not a walk of faith. That's a selfish person. See, the establishing test that you have to go through, you have to be established because your establishment will be tested by trials. Any trials in the house, it'll be tested. Right? If the test is passed, and the foundation is strengthened. An established person passes the test and uses their talents for the master's benefit, not simply for themselves. And if you use them for the master's benefit, then ultimately you're using them for other people's benefit. Hebrews 5.14. But solid food is for the mature. You guys ready to eat? You almost ready to eat? But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, how much use? By constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. See, right now I'm, I'm speaking, but if you don't constantly, con- how much? Constantly. Not once a week, twice a week, three times a week. Constantly. And not just for a season. No, for the rest of your life. Constantly, over and over and over and over. Church, again? Yes, again. Discipleship again? Yes, again. Conference again? Yes, again. Paul said continually, he went on uh, several missionary journeys. Here we go again. Again. And then when you think you got all together, start all over. Again. And then you've been, oh, I've read the Bible five times. Good. Read it six. And when you're done with it, guess what you're going to do? Read it seven. You do it again. And again, why? For those with constant use, mature. Not for just once in a while, Easter and Christmas. Mm-mm. An established person follows the lead of the Holy Spirit and knows that voice that we follow. See, Victor Arch has a voice to retreat our darkness. We have a voice as my piano prayer comes up. That's how we're established. It's not very difficult, but it is. Well, let me say it like this. It's not very hard to understand what it takes to be established. But just understanding does not put it to action. Remember? Homiletics? You can understand how to put a sermon together, but not until you get up here. I'm going to have fun when those people in the homiletics class come up here for the first time. Everybody's going to look at them. They, they don't practice 
right? They looked in the mirror. And they, were, they were preaching like, you know, they, they, thought they, they thought they were Billy Graham in the mirror. And God said, right? They're all practicing. Then they get up here. Right? Why? Because you have to practice it. Right? You learn it like I'm teaching now, but now you got to practice it. If you don't practice it all the time, you'll lose it. Right? Well, what's the old saying? You don't use it, you'll lose it. Well, mm -hmm. huh? See, after the vision is birthed, you will be tested by the body, the church body. You say, I got a vision, God called me. Okay, we'll see. Why? Because the body will determine if you're just talking neck or you, God's really got a call in your life. The body will determine. Either you, and the body will say, you know what? They'll recognize that you do have a call and you'll rise up. Or they'll say, oh, you're a folk or a father, and they'll pff, spit you out. I ain't following that, dude. I ain't following that, sister. Why? They talk a good talk. They know a lot of scripture, but the body has a way of just getting rid of waste material. I call it the spiritual bathroom. See, after the vision is birthed, you'll be tested by the body. Then you, once you're tested by the body, then you'll be approved by God. See, people say, oh, I've been approved by God, and they come into church. Well, we well that's good. Well, prove it to us first, because it's very critical. You have to love God and your neighbor. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, 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 a dichotomy of relationship in your walk with God. It's not just, if you only have a walk with God, then you don't have a walk with God. Because it has to be a walk with God and people. If they're not together, equal, uh, equal form, then you're off balance. You can be too much people, be floppy, agape. Too much God be so uh, all floating up in the, in, the, in the hemisphere that nobody knows what you're about. You've got to be yeah, balanced right in the middle. Amen? You'll be approved, tested by the body, approved by God. Once you go to that, then you'll be empowered by the Spirit to really move. And then ask more and more people, not just one or two or three, the pastor, the leader. No, no, no. It should be you and you and you and you and you. The laity, just people come to church. They're all empowered, right? Because they, they went through these tests. They may not have a car, say they're a minister, but they're, they've been empowered. Uh, they've been approved. And now they're established. Why? Because their life is a, a giving life. They give of their time. They give of their talents. They give of their treasure. They give of their kids. They, they give their spouse. Mm -hmm. ah, now you have an established church. And that's what I'm trying to build. That's what Victor Average is building all over the world. I'm not the only one. We're all saying the same thing. Now you can look across the globe. Go to victorarch.org. Choose the church. They're preaching the same thing. That's, how, that's our method. That's how we do it. That's who he is. The five E's of Victor Average. Exaltation. We exalt Christ and make him known. Evangelism. We believe in reaching the world for Christ. In vision, we preach a vision and God's purpose for your life. Equip, we teach, train, and we send disciples into service and establish. We establish people of faith. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Faith is an issue of the heart. Out of the heart, 
the mouth speaks. The book of Proverbs is very critical to the heart. It says, guard your heart, for out of that heart flows the issues of life. Why? So God is moving in your heart, challenging you. It's up to you. All I can do is encourage you, guide you, teach you the best I can. Bring us together as an organization, church, to reach out to the world. Like I've always said, ultimately, it's what you decide at home, at your own prayer closet, during your own devotional time. That's when it happened to me at home. I knew what God called me. I knew. So I'm going to make an altar call for those who are being wooed by the Holy Spirit into the core. You're not going to be in the periphery, in the outside. You want to get into the core. And I know that that might be just two of you. I'm good with two. It might be all of you. But if it's not for you, you know, don't fake it. I'm not mad at you. Just come to church, enjoy yourself. Eventually, it'll be your time. But if it is you, don't put it off. If God is speaking to you, He's not going to just keep keep coming at you, keep coming at you. Eventually, He'll just move on to the next person. If that's you, you can sing the song. The altar door open.